Open your Bibles with me to Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2. Now, how many of you have seen a sign that says Xmas, Xmas trees and all of that? Someone has written that people use Xmas and it means exhaustion, excuses, exchanges, excesses, extravagances, exasperations, exhibitions, and worldly excitement. How much better it is to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the reason that we celebrate at this time of year. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us this morning. Lord, I pray that you are honored by what is done because without you having revealed yourself, there would be no hope for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amazing is a superlative that's used a lot this time of year. There'll be a new toy. It's called the Amazing New. And just fill in the end. It can be used for soap. This amazing new cleaner or gasoline. This amazing new gasoline that actually cleans your engine. So many different things that are called amazing. Uh, the amazing toy for me that I remember as a, as a boy was Major Matt Mason. Now, did anybody else have a Major Matt Mason? Anyone here? Look, Greg, and he's even older than me. <laughs> but um, Major Matt Mason, it was, during the, it was in the late 60s, and it was when all of, we were going to the moon, and everything was about outer space. And I had, I had Major Matt Mason, and I had his moon rover, and he'd drive this thing across the moon, and we'd take it outside and dig in the dirt and destroy Mom's flower beds. And Major Matt Mason did it. We didn't do it. But it was an amazing toy. And it's a, it is amazing how amazing is used to describe so many different things. It's diminished by overuse. Amazing is attached to items as mundane as toothpaste and toys, sandwiches and soap, fabric and fruit. And this Christmas, as I was thinking about the Christmas story, that, that word amazing just kept jumping out. And look at what the text says. But thou, Bethlehem... Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel. It is amazing that God uses small people in small places to accomplish inconceivably great things. The smallest of towns, the smallest of cities, shepherds and carpenters and young girls, Nazareth and Bethlehem, small things, small things. The Bible says not many great, not many wise are chosen. And sometimes we don't think that, you know, I'm just nobody. I, God can't use me. God can use shepherds. He can use carpenters and he can use young ladies. God can use firemen and God can use. And we know that the three wise men were firemen, right? Because they came from afar. That, that was for Josh Ferrier. That was for him this morning. But God can use firemen. God can use preachers. God can use young people. God can use plumbers. He can use factory workers. He can use businessmen and doctors and lawyers. And he can use housewives. And he can use civil employees. God can use anyone. 
And he chooses to use small things. Sometimes we think, when I know more, when, I'm, when I have more money, when I have more to contribute, then I'll serve God. No, God uses small things like you and me. Who would have ever imagined that God would change the world? No, God would save the world, employing such seemingly insignificant tools. That's amazing. That is amazing. It's amazing that God would employ a pagan king. Have you ever worried about the rulers of the earth? Think, Ahmadinejad, how in the world does God allow somebody like that to stay in charge? These different rulers that we have around the world, things that are going on, even in our own country. When you look at the different votes that are being taken this week, and you wonder, how, with, this, with this wickedness that is in this world, how can God be moving? Well, who was it that ordained that the whole world should be taxed? Caesar? Augustus. He was no man of God. He was no one that was worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, who was looking for the birth of the Messiah. And yet God used him. God can use a pagan king. He had this, cre- this king decree a census. He would have that decree require all citizens to return to their ancestral cities. They would have to travel on roads built and guarded by soldiers, conscripted by this pagan king so that a carpenter and a little lady could travel safely to a place called Bethlehem where Jesus Christ would be born. That's amazing. How is it that God took people from a different part of the world, He brings them together, and He has them take this trip, and He has a pagan king arrange for them to go and be in Bethlehem. It's just amazing. These soldiers, this road, this pagan king, all put together so that the seemingly smallest of prophecies could come to fruition as the true king was born in the smallest of places, Bethlehem. That's amazing. It is amazing that the God who so rules the world that He is able to effortlessly mobilize entire kingdoms in order to aid the smallest of people did not provide a room in the inn. God had ordered every step of this. He... He had had John the Baptist born to announce what it, what, that the Messiah was coming. And Elizabeth, the mother of John, was Mary's cousin. And so Mary, when she found out that Elizabeth was expecting, then she went and hid with her. God had every one of these details ordained, and yet there was no place for them to sleep. He could have. He could have been born in a palace. He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have demanded respect and love. He could have crippled kings and subdued kingdoms. He could have done that. The Bible says that when Jesus Christ returns, that Satan, Lucifer, the the, the tempter and deceiver of the saints, the Bible says he's going to consume him with the brightness of his coming. Just his very presence can destroy Satan. God could have done anything, and yet he chose to have him born in a manger, probably in a cave. But that's not what is the most amazing. What is the most amazing to me is that this Savior who came and took on flesh and bones, 
He could have said no to the suffering. He could have said no to the pain. He could have said no to the humiliation. He could have said no. He could have said, I am the creator and I choose to abandon the creation. But he didn't. He came and took on flesh and bones and was laid in a filthy manger. Amazing. It is amazing that the God who is powerful enough to accomplish all of these feats and is patient enough to endure all of these humiliations and is gracious enough to lavish us with his mercy and love is mocked and blasphemed and ignored on the very day chosen to honor him. Amazing. Amazing. Just this week, I've heard so many blasphemous things about Jesus Christ. Uh, I was I was in a store and I heard a song and it said something like, God is great, but beer is good. All these things about Jesus Christ. And when you see how Christ is being removed from school programs across the country and from nativity scenes are being removed across the country and how, how it is wrong to speak about Jesus Christ. And that Jesus Christ knew that would happen. And he still came for you and for me. There's only one word to describe that. That's amazing. That's amazing. It is amazing. To me, even more amazing. That he came to offer something to us. And the gift that he came to offer is eternal life. How many of you have a gift in mind that you want to receive this year? You have something in mind that you want to receive. I'm thinking maybe a Jaguar. <laughs> That's probably not under the tree. I, I don't see that happening. And, and I don't want a new one. I want about a 67 XKE. Maybe a convertible, but it could be a hard top. I, I like the old E-type Jags. How many of you like the old E-type Jags? How many of you are more into American muscle cars? Right? You... you, you how many of you want one of those for Christmas? Would you raise your hand? Yeah. Yeah. How many of you would be satisfied just for your children to come home? Or just for someone to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as, your, as their Savior? It's amazing how that Jaguar, that car, how that pales in significance to eternity. It means nothing in the course of eternity. What is amazing is that people can take things and the commercial nature of this holiday and exalt them above the reason he came. And the reason he came is because we are sinners lost in darkness and we need a savior. And no man could do it. There's no one that could be perfect enough or holy enough or righteous enough to pay for the sin of the world. So God took on flesh and bones, became a man so that he could be pierceable and whippable and he could be spat upon and he could be buried and rise from the dead so that he could give us the greatest gift that could ever be given, eternal life. That's amazing. Do you know what I think might be even more amazing than that? How easy it is to receive that gift. You understand that he could have made it hard. 
He could have said that you have to crawl across town on your knees and come and kiss some idol or statue so that you can have some kind of forgiveness. He could have said that. He could have said that you have to give away everything that you own to purchase this eternal life. He could have said that, but he didn't. He could have said that you have to give your entire life to do nothing but serve him. He didn't require that. What's amazing is he said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth confession is made and with the heart That's amazing. It is amazing that there are buildings, edifices, religious compounds built all over the world requiring people to do so many different things when the simplicity of the gospel can take place in the smallest of places. Your heart. You see, Jesus Christ came and He died on the cross because we are sinners. And that there is nothing that we can do to overcome that. Even dying and going to hell will never pay for your sin. And that's why hell is eternal. So Jesus Christ came. He took on flesh and bones. He died on that cross after living a sinless life. He was buried and He rose from the dead the third day, proving that He was and is and always will be God. He walked the earth for 40 more days. Then He ascended to heaven, where right now He's at the right hand, making intercession for you and for me. The Bible says there's one God, and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. You see, the only person I need to go to to confess my sin is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus Christ died for you. You might not believe that, but if you were the only person in the world, Jesus Christ would have come and He would have suffered on that cross and He would have died to pay for your sin. He wants to give you the greatest gift that could ever be given. There's only one word to describe that. Amazing. Amazing. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You so much for dying on the cross for us.